Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date Sunday the 11th of February 2024. Space. We're in outer space. But within Earth's solar system. You can tell just by looking at the stars. Can't you? We must be somewhere between Jupiter and Mars. But there isn't anything between Jupiter and Mars. Hang on. Isn't that where the asteroid belt is? Precisely. We must be inside one of the larger asteroids. Oh, I see. But if we're in the asteroid belt, shouldn't there be loads of rocks drifting about? Really? What on earth makes you think that? All right. Go on. I know you're just dying to tell me I'm wrong. My dear Sarah, the asteroid belt is extremely sparse. Even all the asteroids put together would comprise less than a thousandth of the volume of Earth. That's me told. So if you're on one asteroid, the chances of seeing another one are practically infinitesimal. Oh, really? Then what's that? What? Out there, another asteroid. And it's getting bigger. Yes, it is, Sarah. Extremely quickly. Hang on. It's heading straight for us. (laughs) You, Nick and Benji. Greetings to you all. I'm Benji Clifford. He's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish Audiobooks, Audio Drama, and this podcast. All for the love of stories. Oh, exciting third and ninth Doctor releases out this week. In a moment, Benji and I will be talking about those Doctors. We will then. After that, it'll be time for the Good Review Guy, reviewing the reviews of Master Nemesis Express. You. Yes. Let me go behind the scenes with the latest Third Doctor adventure release. Out this Tuesday, the 13th of February, starring Tim Trelaw as the Doctor and Sadie Miller as Sarah Jane Smith. It's Revolution in Space by Jonathan Morris. In space. My name is Sadie Miller and I play Sarah Jane Smith. Following that, it's listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com and a lovely batch of emails from you, our loyal listeners. In space. Uh, also out this week on Friday, the 16th of February, Christopher Eccleston as the Ninth Doctor returns in a brand new crop of adventures entitled Buried Threats. We dive behind the scenes with A Theatre of Cruelty by Lisa McMullen. Oh, I love this. Anthony Nartos, one of the icons of my life. Then it'll be time for the Randomoid Selectatron, delivering a random release with a 25% discount, dutifully attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery. The exact release is currently unknown, so here's a future projection of what it might be. Oh, practice. And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free 15-minute drama tease. And this week, it's from The Third Doctor Adventures, Revolution in Space by Jonathan Morris. It's slowing down. It's stopping. Yes. Seems it wasn't on a collision course after all. It was being collected as part of an extraterrestrial mining operation. You knew that would happen, didn't you? I, um, must confess, I... Did have my suspicions, yes. I could box your ears, you, letting me get scared out of my wits like that. (laughs) Okay, let's talk third and ninth doctors and what they mean to us. Both multiples of three. Uh, (laughs) Both would be great on a pub crawl. Um, Together as well would probably be a right laugh. Um, Both, but well, one dresses impeccably, the other 
dresses comfortably. Um, you know, leather jackets. Comfortably. Comfortable. That's, that's the, when I see that jacket, I think, well, that's a comfortable jacket, isn't it? I'm comfortable you know. in a, a velvet jacket. Well, that's lucky because John Pertwee wears one of those, so, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, do you know... <sighs> I would really love a frilly shirt, but it's such an overt statement. I think people would accuse me of trying to be Austin Powers or something, wouldn't they? Yeah, it'd be it's, it, one of those things where you, you go in with the, the greatest intention and then somebody would say that you look like somebody else and it'd be yeah. really irritating, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's like you when know. they put me as the Doctor in Doctor Who magazine for a while and people kept saying, why is Jack Doherty the Doctor? <laughs> Jack Doherty is a lesser-known comedian and presenter. From the 1990s. Why is Alistair McGowan the the doctor for some reason? <laughs> yeah, that's um, another one I was always getting mistaken for. But it's you know with the, both of them, are, uh, I think you know to some extent they're, they're they're doctors with huge attitudes, aren't they? Is yeah. how I would say because I think you know the third doctor is full of bravado and you know fighting and and uh, not afraid to speak his mind, and I think the ninth doctor is very similar. You know, he's not afraid to speak his mind. Um, he says it how it is, and so I think they're both similar in, in in that way. I mean, I loved I loved when you know Chris Freckleston came back as the Doctor. Um, I think it was so exciting at the time. It was that. such a radical departure, wasn't it? And a real, st- an incredible statement by Russell T Davis that it's like you know Doctor Who is going to be sort of the same but very different this is modern now and and anyone any kind of person can play the doctor it doesn't have to be an edwardian gentleman no uh, well because it kind of i think in a, in a way even though really you know one only thinks of paul mcgann in that regard and maybe the first doctor and a bit of tom baker but that whole thing of the doctor is an edwardian gentleman and it all gone a bit this idea of him being like you know the time machine hg wells and all that when really, you know, I think it was important to to, to change things up and shake it. I mean, one well, thing I did it up, think, didn't it? It opened it up. It opened it up, made it accessible, made it, you know, for the modern millennium. But one thing I do think, and I've, I've over the years I've thought about this more and more, is that the significance of Cracker, the television program, mm. on on the, I guess what we call the modern age of television and and film to an extent cracker in terms of british identity is huge when you look at it like for example um i went to uh last week i went to the harry potter uh studio tour up in you know in uh did you warner brothers tour yes 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 my sister and her boyfriend had uh had a ticket going so i thought i'm getting getting on that one I, i i went years ago um years and years and years ago when it first opened so coming back it was like another world but what what i found really interesting is of course you look around and there's a lot of people uh in in that that were in cracker you mm. know of course robbie coltrane is there you've got uh jane penhalligan yeah uh, yeah uh you know who's harry potter's mother but of course yes. in this chris freckleson when you watch him in cracker and you see that you think gosh he, he is just utterly fantastic isn't he yeah you know and and, and that level of you can see watching that and i know that um, he's worked with Russell and other things, you know, before the yes, second coming yes. being the big yeah. one. Um, well, that was it, you... I think. I don't think he'd worked with Russell before. Had, had he not? I, did, I thought he had. I thought it was something. only the second coming, but I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But, um, but so, you know, when you see him in Cracker, I just thought, no, you can see the why this guy was really, you know, he just he gave such a great. A significant performance in that, and it just, I just, the, what I'm trying to say is really watching cracker and thinking about it 
it's influenced so many different things the way yeah it was such a huge thing now. yeah cracker was so it was about um um what would you call them there's a particular name for it. He's not a detective. He's a um, he's a criminal psychologist, isn't that's he? That's the words. That's the, the one. Those those are the words. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it, I don't think there'd been anything quite like it on British television before. And yeah, and it made a statement and brought a lot of talent to the attention of the TV industry at, at large and and the public, the viewing public. In um, fact, another one, Nick, is um, the world is not enough. James Bond had um, had Robbie Robbie Carlyle as the villain mm. and Robbie Coltrane uh, in that as well as the casino owner again you see another one that somebody saw that and thought those are yeah, the people absolutely it was a real showcase for so many people I think yeah and I think that uh, it's it felt so exciting and different when uh, Chris came in as the ninth doctor it really even though the series went on to develop in loads of different ways it really put its stamp on it and I think that that's gone right through all of new doctor who from 2005 onwards and and of course uh, chris's performance was sort of more emotional and his connection with his companion was more emotional than we'd been used to more overtly emotional actually yes. i think it's always been emotional it's just a little bit less on its sleeve uh, than it has been in in recent years but let's go back to john pertwee i mean now you didn't have the same i remember i was going to say you didn't have the same experience as me i remember you know being surprised by the departure of Patrick Troughton, watching the last episode of The War Games and being utterly destroyed by the fact that he'd gone twirling off into space and then they, or time and space, and then they uh, put, a, a, I, as I remember it, a caption slide up at the end saying, and the new Doctor will be John Pertwee uh, starting you know, next year. And I, I thought they'd said John Fairfax, who was the famous <laughs> uh, um, transatlantic rowing sportsman person yeah so I, because he was very much in our minds at the time uh, but yeah it, it was kind of and that sort of first sight of him falling out of the TARDIS and thinking oh he, he's his hair's different and it, you know it's really sort of alarming really and how he was not very communicative to start with I remember that being quite traumatizing for me as a child and then really just thinking how brilliant he was. And as I've bored everyone with endlessly, I've had a real renaissance in recent years about John Pertwee doing the third Doctor Adventures with Tim Trelaw and going back and studying those episodes. So I think that, um, and, and that, that I think it's possible to argue that the John Pertwee era is the most consistently good era of Doctor Who. And I certainly think that John Pertwee never puts a foot wrong with his performance i think he, i think it's a career defining performance as as i've probably said here before i've said on other podcasts and i've said to katie madding as well you know, <laughs> just it is amazing what john pertwee does i think well uh, uh, especially for a man again i mean to, to draw a fantastic um sort of link between both the third and the ninth doctor in terms of actors and what they did before doctor who both of them yeah both of the both of them brought completely new things to the table and did things in a different way. And, and I remember um, seeing interviews with Christopher Eccleston saying how proud he was that he'd, that he'd done something different and he was excited and it was, he was a little bit outside his comfort zone. And I think, obviously, for, for somebody like John Pertwee, who was a, you know, a, a comedy, a comedian, or certainly his the, the vast majority of what he did was comedy with the Navy Lark and programmes like that. And 
he could have had a very different career where he could have Definitely. stayed in that role and he could have but i think doctor who he gave it 110% with Doctor Who. Yes. And uh, and again, actually, when you look at like Wurzel or Gummidge later on, again, he put 110% in that. You know, you, you I was going to say that when you've got the new Wurzel or Gummidge, which is brilliant with Mackenzie Crook, I think it's fantastic, really mm-hmm. enjoyable. Um, I think people unfairly uh, put them up against each other, but they're two completely different things. But I think when you see what John is doing there, uh, it's unbelievable. But I love it. I mean, I, but I'm always going to say this because I I love the third Doctor stuff. I always have done. That's for yes. me. It's my Doctor Who, and, and and always will be as far as I'm concerned. Because it was my first, apart from Peter Cushing, it was my first <laughs> exposure to Doctor I Who. Am Doctor Who. Oh yes, Doctor Who. Um, it was my first exposure to Doctor Who. So I'm always going to to love it. Yeah, I suppose way. so. Yeah. You know, so so I mean, I I remember the biggest mystery for me was Patrick Troughton because. At that particular time, there wasn't really an awful lot of Patrick Charlton stuff that I could get my hands on in the wilderness years. And I was only young. I was a kid. I remember I had a, a book and it had, you know, a few pictures of him in it. And I I always thought, I imagined for some reason that he would be an incredibly stern character because mm, of his face. Because he's got a frightening face. He's got a frightening face. And so I, I imagined that. And then... I finally got my hands on Tomb of the Cybermen and I thought, this is going to be, I'm so excited to see this. I'm so excited to see this. And then uh, he was completely different to how I imagined he would be. Wow. And and been an amazing experience. It was, and it, but it was amazing to see it in another way and to have this, and, and also to, again, when you're reading things like Doctor Who magazine and you're reading people's opinions and the things that they say about the different doctors and how mm. highly regarded Patrick Troughton is in a lot of ways uh, he is the worst kept secret for modern Doctor Who because all the actors say I'm heavily inspired by Patrick Troughton you know they go through and they see it they think you know it's it was just so interesting to see what what the hype was about but also to see it not how I expected so oh I felt I got a real nostalgia rush then I felt I got a real um, (laughs) I used to have that book it was called The Illustrated Guide to Doctor Who and it was like just these pictures. It was done before Sylvester was the Doctor, so he wasn't in it. Um, it might have possibly been done before Colin was the Doctor. But anyway, I had it, and it had these sort of pictures in it. But I used to look at that a lot when I was a little kid. Um, I don't yes. even know that book, actually. Yeah, yeah, where did I pick it? I got it from some second-hand shop. As we, all my Doctor Who stuff, of course, was second-hand as a kid. But, you know... Couldn't get it the, on the shelves anywhere. Really. The words you use, the words you use, then nostalgia rush. You know that's that's what it's all about for us. That's what this podcast is all about. It's what Big Finish is all about. And it's just we could actually talk forever, particularly about John Pertwee. I feel definitely, I, and, I, and I would like to. Um, but <laughs> we'll time, carry on. <laughs> time is pressing on, Nick. You know we we don't have a yes. yes. We we only have so many minutes in the day. Uh, so now it is time. For our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And as promised this week, we're looking at Master Nemesis Express from Big Finish Productions. Master Nemesis Express. Life! 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 Ah, look at me! Am I not terrible? Is somebody there? I can feel you. I know you're near me. Delicate creature. I've traversed a desert of dark time to be here. 
I will destroy this ship and every heathen aboard. Vienna Salvatore, what a pleasure to see you again. You? Yes, me. How can you still be alive? Our orders are to locate and detain the two unregistered passengers. Never mind about them. The masters are murderer. What have you done to her? Nothing too terrible. She's under very mild hypnosis, that's all. I need to get off this ship right now. No, no, you can't go out there. If we get off this ship alive, I'm calling that a win. All I'm interested in is success. In killing chronovores, you mean? Well, yes. So this is all just payback for you? Petty revenge? What's the good of survival if you can't enjoy yourself along the way? There will be no mercy. Not this time, not ever. Big finish for the love of stories. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Nemesis Express <laughs> In into accent. the search pane at the top to find this one. Bruce. Uh, first up, <laughs> cultbox.co.uk. Ian McArdle says Nemesis Express, or as it says here, Nemesis Espress. Espresso. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a new type of coffee. Um, it's the master of coffee. Um, it's a big action movie style high concept Doctor Who or should that be Master Who uh, with a different befitting this uh, with a different befitting this unique incarnation of the Master it is a fun listen that must mean must with be. a difference yes I think it's with a difference I'm only reading I'm only reading I'm only reading what you're saying yes for goodness sake get the get the words right um uh, uh, Ian McArdle uh, Sci-Fi Pulse Razor Devereaux says Master Exclamation mark and colon. Got to take issue there. Uh, yeah, Nemesis Express was an excellent showcase for. I just yes. Have your reviews read out by two nitpicking idiots. Uh, yeah, so, see what you're doing there is your master is starting to turn into that weird text at the start of the War Machines. And it's starting <laughs> to go. I'm just expecting it. To, do you know what I mean? The War Machines, yes. Uh, it's a showcase for Eric Roberts' incarnation of the Master. Indeed, the Snowpiercer-inspired plot placed this version of the Time Lord in his element. 9.5 out of 10. Nice one, Racer. Well, Matthew Kressel from WarpedFactor.com says, Nemesis Express is a more than worthy sequel to last year's Master. Nice. Oh, we got, an, well, we got a, a, an exclamation mark here and a yeah. full stop next But to Master is the title with an exclamation mark and then there's a full stop to the sentence. That's allowable. What's not allowable is Master exclamation mark colon. I mean, I, I would have <laughs> not taken it... Not allowable! <laughs> I would have taken it further. I would have, I would have had... Mm. Uh, Master exclamation mark inside inverted commas. Yeah, I was just thinking that. And very then a full thing. stop after that, you yeah. see. Ooh, yeah. it's getting exciting, isn't it? But then it comes um, down to how style. I mean, should you actually put titles in inverted commas? Mostly these days, titles are put in bold or italics. I realise that this is absolutely fascinating. Somebody out there is really enjoying this. Somebody out there is forming an email as we speak. Yes. Um, shut up, it will say at the top. Shut up in, in big friendly letters with a semicolon at the end and an exclamation mark. Um, featuring a strong trilogy of episodes and a solid cast led by Roberts and Masterson, it's an express ticket to three plus hours of thrills and surprises. In short, it's just what the master ordered. 
I love that. An express ticket to three plus hours of thrills and surprises. That's a great bit of review work there. On social Sounds like media. something that would be in a Peter Cushing trailer, doesn't it? Yes. An express ticket to thrills and surprises <laughs> with the Daleks. You will feel their fire. And TARDIS. Uh, uh, TARDIS. This is TARDIS. Are you from the north? Uh, <laughs> on social media, as I was saying, uh, at Tom Housen 1218, Master, uh, exclamation mark, and a hyphen, Nemesis Ooh. Express. It's, it's just endless. Close hyphens. Punctuation is, you know. Uh, anyway, from at Big Finish by Robert Whitelock. Close commas, I was about to say, inverted commas. Not close hyphen. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Close hyphen. I, I, I'm, I'm just, just saying just... words now. Close hyphen. <laughs> That's a, a Invert the robot. forward slash. Thank you. Uh, Robert Whitelock, who who wrote some of this, uh, uh, who's a brilliant actor, and I love working with him. Uh, at Ellen Miles and at Mr. Rob Valentine is a treat of an adventure and highlights how glorious at Eric Roberts is in the role. Uh, three well-connected scripts with great characters, world building and stakes. Oh, yeah. Uh, medium rare. It's actually spelled S-T-A-K-E-S, so it's not that kind of stake at all, just in case you thought it was. Benji's reading something else. He's had a letter. No, I just picked up. I just just found some some random German thing on my desk, so I was just reading it. German I was thing, what it was. like yeah. a grenade, or, or what do you mean? <laughs> nine, nine. <laughs> it's uh, not a, th- a third series, please, is what Tom Housen said. Will you all get your wish? Ah. Well, Kate Stewart, 65, is coming into this one from Unit HQ to say, The Master Nemesis Express is one of Big Finish's latest releases and really is a masterpiece. Oh, nice. And uh, Justin B. Quinnick, uh, Master V1. It's the rocket. What's a 2021 triumph? Volume 1, that means. Yes, I realise now. And in 2022, more of the suavest of masters. Oh, I think... I don't know. I think that Roger Delgado is more suave. There's something a bit down and dirty about uh, the uh, Eric Roberts master, isn't there? You know, like he yeah, might pull, say, his, pull his fingernail I would, I, off. <laughs> I, would say, I would say the Roberts master believes he is suave. Yes. Whereas, whereas Delgado is suave. Yes. But, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, coupled with... Uh, of the fun of Vienna didn't disappoint. Uh, we desperately need more of Roberts's master. Um, I was talking to Stephen Noonan the other day, and he uh, was pointing out because I was moaning about Terror of the Autons being a bit sort of. I found it a bit sort of jumping all over the place and not very well explained. And it's his favourite story from that season. So we were at Loggerheads. I love that story. A, yeah. a famous cafe in uh, Dartmoor, and uh, he 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 said that you know what really pinpoints it all for him is when the when the master just turns up in unit hq with his gun he comes down the spiral staircase and the doctor says something like uh, how did you get in here and the master just says oh don't be trivial doctor <laughs> <laughs> and that just that's brilliant and it's true that that's that put me in my place anyway next week we'll be reviewing the reviews of rose tyler the dimension canon 2 other worlds not this one well, coming up soon, listeners' emails, the Night Doctor Adventures, and the Randomoid Selectatron. But first... Very, very close to my heart, of course, the Third Doctor, Revolution in Space. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs, and I'm the script editor and director of Revolution in Space. OK, here we go. Cue. I thought you said you were taking me home. Uh, yes. 
Well, I'm sorry to say something interfered with the TARDIS's navigation systems. Possibly my own people. The Time Lords? Why do you say that? Because sometimes they take it upon themselves to send me on, well, errands. To sort out problems that require, shall we say, expert attention. So they send you to fix things, but uh, don't bother to tell you what it is you're meant to fix? They like to make it look like I've arrived under my own steam, so they can, uh, what's the phrase? Maintain possible deniability. Uh, the brief I gave to Johnny Morris was that I wanted to do a story with uh, Sarah Jane Smith, with her going out into space because we'd done these earthbound stories and I just thought it would be fun for her to do that kind of a slightly earlier style of John Pertwee's story and I think that what Johnny came up with is you know it is its own thing uh, and he's based it on the whole uh, sort of the Boston Tea Party in space but at the same time it does it has uh, you know it, it brings up feelings of recollections of the curse of peladon or more importantly the the mutants that all that kind of thing going on it's got that sort of flavor and i i quite often imagine the sets looking like the sets from the mutants actually which is a 1972 story with john pertwee and katie manning uh, just in case you didn't know hi i'm jonathan morris and i wrote doctor who revolution in space the beef was quite open. It was a six-part third Doctor and Sarah story, not set on Earth. My initial idea was to do a sort of a hard sci-fi story in the vein of Kim Stanley Robinson or Frank Herbert or Alistair Reynolds, a, a big epic space opera all about uh, the people of Mars declaring independence from Earth. Because to Phil six episodes, you need a, a really strong concept that has enough incident in it uh, to fill, you know, two and a half, three hours. And I thought a, a full-scale revolution in space might be enough to sustain six episodes. My name is Heather Challens, and I'm the producer for The Third Doctor Adventures. We'd gone to Alien Planets with the return of Joe Jones, but generally we had them pretty earthbound in the range for a while so you know the annihilators and intelligence for war they were both earthbound and kaleidoscope was earthbound as well so i was just like let's just let's just get into space um and what we've got is something that's really very very sci-fi very sort of pure adventure as well as well as being a little bit of a political thriller which was nice my name's tim trelaw i play the third doctor in a revolution in space we find that earth has exhausted its um, natural resources and minerals and so therefore have taken to colonizing areas of space as you would imagine that's probably what's going to happen at some point in particular there's an asteroid where the ancestors of the earth people who went there first have now become natives of the planet and in a similar vein to the american revolution they uh, seek an independence and autonomy for themselves. So that's the basis of it. And um, when the Doctor and Sarah Jane investigate, whether they're sent there or whether there's another reason for them going there, we find that there's another force at play as well. My name is Sadie Miller and I play Sarah Jane Smith. The Doctor and Sarah land on an asteroid, so we're very much in outer space for this adventure, uh, which is quite exciting, really, because I think a lot of the Third Doctor stories have of late been earthbound. Certainly, obviously, Kaleidoscope was, so it's exciting to do one that's very outer space again. It's lovely being back with Sadie. Uh, the last one was with Daisy. I think the time before that was with Katie, so it's quite good. I get sort of uh, 
I get to work with all three companions, and um, it's great that we sort of run it, you know, it's Daisy, then it's Sadie, then it's Katie. I just love that, because there's, there's just dif different energies between all three of them, and between the doctors. So you've got Joe, which is much more sort of paternal relationship, and you've got Professor Liz Shaw, who's um, got more intellectual um, relationship, and then you've got Sarah Jane, the journalist, and there's much more bantery sort of... Um, um, argumentative relationship between between the two of them, but he loves all three of them. So you know, it's great. It's um, it's brilliant. It's always exciting to to work with them and the same team with Heather, the wonderful Heather, our producer, and and of course the indomitable Mr. Nicholas Briggs, who keeps the ship in order and um, and and makes us all very naughty and irresponsible in the studio. What's interesting is that I hadn't actually worked with Sadie in person before I'd met her and I'd met her socially sort of plenty of times so that there was that kind of relationship there but when we did Kaleidoscope I think she was one of the only few members of the cast who did it remotely but in this case we were really incredibly fortunate in that everyone came into studio and so seeing her rapport with Tim it's always it's always interesting how the actors who play the companions bring out a different they all have different relationships with Tim as much as their characters have different relationships with the Doctor. And so it was really lovely having Sadie there and she just, she gets Sarah Jane and she cares so much about Sarah Jane and there is no denying the connection that she has with her mum. So her performance is always very, very special. She's a feminist, but she doesn't have an agenda with it. She wants to do the right thing, but she's not, you know, above having fun. And she can be a bit prissy, but she's also a bit silly as well. So I think she manages to tread both sides of things, really, where she's very much a woman of the 70s, but then we see a lot of that modernity come through, which makes her, I think, I hope, still a relevant character that people can enjoy now. Obviously, she's a wonderful actress, and she sounds just like her mum. There's a fieriness with Sadie's uh, Sarah Jane. And so she doesn't take any of the doctor's nonsense, which is great. So he just gets someone answering back to him. So, yeah, she brings something different. She brings um, a different energy than the other two do. And, but all, all, all three of them bring a totally different and unique energy. Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type revolution into the search pane at the top to find this one. And that's out on... No, I'm joking. Out <laughs> this Tuesday, the 13th of February. Thank you for that, Nick. Uh, in bold, underlined and inverted. <laughs> and in and italics. italics. Yeah, yeah. Of, I thought, what else could I do? I thought I could put it in 50 points or something. So you say this. No, yeah. it's very good. It's, it's I'm, I'm quite... It looks very, you know... It, did what it, it does what it says on the tin. Uh, what is it time for now, Nick? It's listeners' emails. That's right. And if you want to put that in italics, underline it, bold, and send it to us, you can. And if you want to do that, just send it to podcast at bigfinish.com. Uh, that's exactly what Melody Soundy did. Uh, subject to this one. Thank you. Getting into Big Finish. Um, hello there, Nick and Benji. Hello Just there. wanted to email in to sing all of your praises. Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope. After watching the TV movie, I was begging for more Paul McGann. Please. And that led me over to Big Finish. When I found out that your first 50 stories were free on Spotify, I was over the moon. I'm currently working through the 8th Doctor Adventure Series 1 with Lucy Miller and adored horror of glam rock. It was an absolute banger. That's a good one. old Benji word there. 
Yeah, yeah, that is there. I now have a big finish account, have downloaded several free stories, and have a large chunky wish list. I'm truly down a rabbit hole that I can't escape from. <laughs> I completely agree with your motto. You definitely do stuff for the love of stories. All the best, Melody Soundy. Nice. Thank you, Melody. That was lovely. Very That's, nice. That just sums up everything that we'd like people to do. Uh, next up, here's one from Christopher Wickham. Limited CD pressings. Uh, more and more new CDs have been announced as having a single pressing, which will be the only opportunity to get them on CD. If it looks like they might meet the limit before release, please will there be advance notice on social media? Um, yeah, but we usually do tell people when things are, are getting close to the end of stock. The first thing is, though, don't panic. This is a result of people switching to downloads in their droves. And as a result of this, we've, we've been limiting our pressings for quite some time and it's been working out absolutely fine. And it is, of course, good for us if you buy sooner rather than later. Um, but the vast majority of our sales are downloads now. So seriously, you'll be fine. Um, but as I say, it's always a good idea to buy uh, sooner than later. So get them while they're hot. That's what they always say, don't they? <laughs> if we were bakers, we'd say that. Big finish buns. Uh, finally, though, we've got one here wow. from uh, Aidan Charlie. Subject to this one is Companion Chronicles. Okay. Uh, hi, Nigga Menji. Uh, I was just reading the latest issue of Big Finish's own Vortex magazine when the book club section struck me with a thought. It talks of the Companion Chronicles range and reminiscing over what a great range this was in bringing new adventures to early Doctors whose actors were unavailable, namely Doctors 1-3. to It made me think, now that we have the mighty Stephen Noonan, well, Michael Troughton and oh. Tim Chalor uh, flourishing in these respective roles, these Doctors aren't so unavailable anymore. True. However, with Jacob Dubman stepping away from the 10th, 11th and 12th Doctor Chronicles range and David Tennant presumably incredibly busy, uh, it does now leave these three Doctors missing. So, my question is, has Big Finish ever considered doing any New Who Companion Chronicles for these three Doctors? Perhaps this is a way to keep their adventures going whilst their Doctor Chronicles are momentarily paused. Of course, it would be amazing to get the likes of Karen Gillan, Jenna Coleman and Pearl Mackey in for those, but keeping it realistic to actors Big Finish already works with, and I would absolutely love Arthur Darville to do some as Rory, or Dan Stark as Strax. Samuel Anderson as Danny, Billy Piper as Rose, Catherine Tate as Donna, etc. I think that these could be fascinating and would be a great way to continue the adventures of Doctors 10 to 12, a big finish. Nick did also state in Vortex that the Companion Chronicles will return. So, just a thought. Thanks, Aiden. Well, Aiden, um, the thing is... Uh the Companion Chronicles that are, are, are coming back are still very much for those um, early Doctors. And also Old, for, older uh, Doctors. Well, and also for those Doctors to, um, for, the, for the Companion actors, you know, to do some more work with us and, uh, and to have our um, newly recast, well, not that new anymore, uh, second and first Doctors appear in those companion chronicles to really you know get people uh, familiar with them and i think 
I would certainly consider all those things, but I would say if Karen Gillan, Jenna Coleman and Pearl Mackey uh, wanted to work with us, they'd be working for us now. Uh, they're a bit busy, I imagine, um, but always open to working with those great actors. Um, I love, yeah, um, I can t- we've done Arthur Darville as Rory, not in a companion chronicle, and, you know, Strax and Samuel Anderson's been in uh, um, some Doctor Chronicle. And uh, yeah, and Billy Piper has done the Dimension Canon with us. Catherine Tate also did a, a, a release that didn't actually have David Tennant in. And also, I would say, you know, without uh, trying to make any contractual commitment, that um, I feel that David Tennant, I have good grounds to believe that David Tennant will come back to us. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, there are all sorts of exciting things bubbling away behind the scenes at Big Finish. And our schedules are packed already for the next uh, three years. Every time we think of something new to do, we have to sort of say, oh, right. Oh, goodness. Okay, so are we talking 27 or 28 for this? 2027 or 28? You know, it's really John Ainsworth, the uh, senior producer, is, you know, looking at the master schedule all the time and kind of going, we're packed. We're packed here, (laughs) here, here. If we do that, we'll have to, you know. So there's plenty to come, loads of exciting things, and but we're not at the moment planning to do companion chronicles with uh, from the new era of Doctor Who. But yeah, that thought has that seed has been planted in my head. So thank you, Aiden. Let us see how it flourishes. <laughs> it's like Gardner's Question Time, isn't it? It is, isn't uh, it? That's it for the emails this week. That was Gordon Greencast. <laughs> Keep them coming. We love them in the garden. Remember that there's a tease of the third Doctor Adventures revolution in space, 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 coming up at the end of the podcast. Uh, But before that, I almost forgot to say, uh, also available this week, out on Friday the 16th, uh, the uh, ninth Doctor Adventures. I don't know whether you've heard of those. Uh, Buried Threats. Uh, We look behind the scenes now with the opening story of the box set, A Theatre of Cruelty by Lisa McMullen. I'm Helen Goldwyn, and I'm the director of A Theatre of Cruelty. You feel too deeply, think too intensely, but that gives you empathy. It gives you those sparks of genius. Who else could have come up with A Theatre of Cruelty? Nobody. That's very kind, but I find that difficult to believe even on a good day. So this is a really interesting historical based around the writer and sort of visionary theatrical uh, creative Antonin Artaud, whose name I knew and whose kind of role in theatre I vaguely knew about, but I've learnt an awful lot more since uh, receiving this script and having to do some research on him. I'm Lisa McMullen and I wrote the story A Theatre of Cruelty. This was quite a quick turnaround on this one. Matt Fitton, script editor, got in touch to say they were looking for a historical for a Ninth Doctor set. And I had quite wanted to do a story about Otto for a while. So this seemed like a good opportunity. I am Christopher Eccleston and I'm playing the Doctor. Your ideas of immersive theatre were and are brilliant. They'll change the course of theatre, reinvent it for decades to come. Really? Really. Oh, I love this. Antonin is one of the icons of my life. I just find it brilliant that through the doctor I can meet this um, this fantastic theatre practitioner. 
And there, I think Arto would have made a good doctor, actually. His brilliance and <laughs> his craziness. So their energy is quite complementary. They get each other. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm loving doing it. It's always great fun to see Chris excited about the scripts and uh, it never gets old because he's so appreciative. He's always just so full of um, excitement and, and gratitude, I think, when something like this comes up. I've always wanted to play him. And when I was younger, I was told that I looked a lot like him in, in the brilliant film Napoleon by Gans, I think. So you can see Arto on film. And when I was 19 at Salford College of Technology, I had to read as part of my foundation drama course, A Theatre of Cruelty by Arto. So that's when I first came across him, same time as I came across Brecht and Stanislavski. Listening to recording, it was brilliant. Chris came up with a joke which he asked permission to, to put in. And I said, fill your boots, because obviously if Chris Eccleston wants to make an addition to the, the script or the story, you don't say no. And he was really lovely. He he said that Otto was one of his theatrical heroes, so it was really nice that that I'd got to, to write this for him. I didn't know that at the time, but it's always fun to listen to them record the words that, that you've written, and they're, oh my gosh, they're good. What a cast. Really, really exceptional. Um, it, was, it was always a thrill to listen to. Well, today I was very excited to have an opportunity to work with Alexander Vlahos because obviously I know his name and I know his image from all the different things that he's done with Big Finish, principally um, the Dorian Gray series. And um, I never really thought that I would get a chance to work with him. And now I have, I can see why he's so successful and, and popular as a voice actor and, you know, screen actor as well. And he's delightful and, and brilliant. And then we had Elizabeth York Bolognini, who coincidentally is somebody that was at the same college as me, the year above me. And um, uh, But I knew I needed someone with an Italian sensibility, even though we weren't doing Italian accents. I wanted someone that kind of understood the environment and the, the kind of atmosphere that we were trying to create. So yeah, it was great to get her on board. And then we have the fabulous Angus Dunnikin, who I think this is about the third time I've worked with Angus and I'm always trying to get him in because he's so versatile and so funny and so original. You know, he's come up with this extraordinary voice for the Astrafi and, uh, you know, he always comes up with something unique. And, uh, you know, that's always something I'm really trying to grab hold of, as you know, when I'm casting. Hello, my name is Elizabeth York Bolognini and I'm playing Beatrice Senchi. I'm Alexander Vlahos and I'm playing Antonin Arto. And uh, I'm Angus Dunnigan and I'm playing the Astrafi, uh, actors, cardinals, various assorted people. Everyone that counts, really. <laughs> See me. We do. What do you want? Hear me. We're listening, Mr. Daltrey. <sighs> and she's Gone. You know, it's pretty difficult to see and hear you when you keep vanishing in a puff of smoke. And to get your hands on this one, just go to bigfinish.com and type threats <gasps> into the search pane at the top. And remember that it's released this Friday, the 16th of February. So right now, though, it's time for... The Randomoids Electrotron, where we randomly select a Big Finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. <laughs> That's right, and we're here with 151 Doctor Who, the Doomsday Quatrain. Quatrain. That's 151 Doctor <laughs> Who, the Doomsday Quatrain. Quatrain. No, it's not <laughs> <laughs> uh, Written by Emma B.B. Gordon Rennie. Um, why does it say that? 
it's two different people, isn't it? There's no yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I was sitting there thinking, that's an awful, awfully long name, isn't it? Yeah. Um, unnecessarily so. Emma, Emma Beebe and Gordon Rennie. And the starring, of course, uh, Sylvester McCoy. Is uh, it directed by Ken Bentley? Or yes, it is. It is, it it is, is. indeed is. produced by David Richardson with music and sounds by Andy Hardwick. There you go. Classy. Let's hear the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who. The Doomsday Quatrain. Hmm. The rising whiff of artistic and intellectual renaissance. Florence. The finest fashions, as worn by Catherine de' Medici herself. And may the plane catch me if I tell a lie. Not today. No, no, no. And the Doctor, this is... Doctor, I can't tell you what a pleasure this is. A time, Lord. A true honour. So gratifying to know our achievements are known even on Gallifrey. When the river is gone, ships shall sail in the sky. Monsters bring fire from the heavens. All will fall into a grey and endless sea, and doomsday has come. You are not authorised to renegotiate terms of contract. Crow's spokesbeings, voice patterns, exhibiting signs of extreme agitation. Please! Why are you doing this? Why are you killing us? Practice. Oh. Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. Nice one. It's a very sort of spooky cover, isn't it? I wonder who that it is, is. On, on the cover. I don't know. Gosh. Well, I think it must be, um, is it uh, David Schofield? It is David Schofield. Yeah. What a brilliant actor he is as well. He's been in lots of Big Finish things over the years. Amazing. Lovely. Uh, thanks, Ran. Well, I emailed Jackie Emery. I don't know whether you know about this. She's the content manager at Big Finish. Yes. And, and I'm going to inform her of our random selection so that she can set the offer live on the Big Finish mm. website. Uh, Benji, can you explain how listeners can get this discount in the style of John Pertwee or Chris Eccleston or both? Or both at the same time. Yes, well, quite. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this is going south already, isn't it? Yes, well, quite. Uh, yes, well, uh, you just go to uh, podcasts on the Big Finish website. Uh, once you're there, you go to, uh, once you're on the podcast page, you head to read more. Uh, he'll wallop me, won't he, if, I, if he hears I've, I'm doing some <laughs> terrible impression of him. I do apologise. Um, once you're there, uh, you, it says just click here and enter the code back up. That's under the latest podcast you have to click. I don't know who I'm becoming now. I sound like I'm, I'm, ta- I'm starting to sound like that bloke um, from uh, the the demons. You know, uh, hello and welcome to BBC Three. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you just click here. Why, here, why do you combine both impersonations? That that would be funny. Pardon? Combine both impersonations. So you do Chris Eccleston, but it's all from source. <laughs> so yes. Joe. Oh, uh, thanks, for, thanks for coming. Uh, you've been a lovely audience. <laughs> just sounds like some some man, just so, so, some, some random man. man. Yes, well, all right. Yes, well, quite. It's very hard to talk like John Pertwee 
with a northern accent. North Pertwee. I do apologise to, quite frankly, everybody on planet Earth for that. But there we go. That's how you get your discount. Bigfinish.com. Head to the podcast page. Go to the podcast in question. Then click there. Enter. It says click here and enter the code buck up. You enter there and you get a discount. Simple as. Can I ask you, did you play a bit of audio then? Oh, no. I know what happened. <laughs> you fool. You old fool. There was an extra. I had an extract in this Pro Tools session of Christopher Eccleston from Buried Threats. And it just, while you were talking, it just randomly played in my ear. It was something Did you have about, this moment where you thought, he's incredible? Yeah. Oh, God. No, I thought Chris had phoned up to say, he said, <laughs> your, sorry, your it's difficult talking to you. <laughs> he said, it's difficult talking to you when you keep disappearing in a puff of smoke or something like that. Anyway, that was the quote from Buried Threats, uh, yeah, which you would have heard earlier first. during the introduction of this podcast, I think. So, yeah. that's superb work, Ran. Indeed. Uh, at this stage, it looks very much like next week's podcast will feature Master Planet Doom, which I think makes you know, Matthew Cressel's dreams come true, and uh, Torchwood Sabotage. It probably wasn't Matthew Cressel, it was probably Tom Housen. I can't remember now, mm-hmm. but someone said looking forward to the next set. Well, in the meantime, though, it only remains for me to say this, not, not anybody else, okay. that this edition Big Finish Podcast, not any other one, although they are all pretty much the same, uh, was presented <laughs> by me. Same uh, old rubbish. Same old, same old who I was. Presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. Nick also wrote, produced, and edited it. And of course, Benji and I did this for the, for the love, love of stories. stories. And finally, on the Big Finish podcast, The Third Doctor Adventures Revolution in Space by Jonathan Morris and starring Tim Trelaw and Sadie Miller. It's very good. Lower than Earth gravity. Uh, An artificial by the feel of it. You can tell, can you? And you've travelled as much as I have? It's unmistakable. I thought you said you were taking me home. Yes, well, I'm sorry to say something interfered with the TARDIS's navigational systems. Possibly my own people. The Time Lords? But why do you say that? Because sometimes they take it upon themselves to send me on, well, errands to sort out problems that require, shall we say, expert attention. So they send you to fix things, but don't bother to tell you what it is you're meant to fix? They like to make it look like I've arrived under my own steam, so they can, uh, what's the phrase? Maintain plausible deniability. (laughs) Ah, this is more like it. Machinery. Pretty high-tech, too, long after my time. And an observation port. Hmm, that should provide some answers. Just a question of getting it open. Sonic screwdriver? Sonic screwdriver. Space? We're in outer space. But within Earth's solar system. You can tell, just by looking at the stars. Can't you? 
must be somewhere between Jupiter and Mars. But there isn't anything between Jupiter and Mars. Hang on. Isn't that where the asteroid belt is? Precisely. We must be inside one of the larger asteroids. Oh, I see. But if we're in the asteroid belt, shouldn't there be loads of rocks drifting about? Really? What on earth makes you think that? All right. Go on. I know you're just dying to tell me I'm wrong. My dear Sarah, the asteroid belt is extremely sparse. Even all the asteroids put together would comprise less than a thousandth of the volume of Earth. That's me told. So if you're on one asteroid, the chances of seeing another one are practically infinitesimal. Oh, really? Then what's that? What? Out there, another asteroid. And it's getting bigger. Yes, it is, Sarah. Extremely quickly. Hang on. It's heading straight for us. Asteroid range now one mile. Maintain gravity beam. Commence deceleration now. Commencing deceleration. Range 1,000 meters and closing. That's it. In you come. Nice and gently. 700. 650. Goal. Get the extractors ready. I want mining to begin the moment we have contact. 600. 550. 500. Yes. Seems it wasn't on a collision course after all. It was being collected as part of an extraterrestrial mining operation. You knew that would happen, didn't you? I, um, must confess I did have my suspicions, yes. Oh, I could box your ears, you, letting me get scared out of my wits like that. <laughs> Remember I mentioned artificial gravity? The asteroid was being reeled in with a gravity beam, like a, a fish on a line. I don't believe we were ever in any real danger. I don't suppose anyone has ever told you you're a bit of a know-it-all, have they? Oh, don't be ridiculous, Sarah. <laughs> now, let me see. Asteroid mining and colonization. That puts us somewhere in the 24th century. 24... colonization? So there are people here? I should imagine so, Sarah, yes. Well, if your Time Lord friends really have sent you on a mission, we should probably find these people and say hello, shouldn't we? Oh, any chance you can open this hatch? Every chance. Allow me. Ladies first? Oh, no. Age before beauty, Doctor. After you. <laughs> Asteroid now embedded in surface. Gravity beam off. Compensating internal AG for new total mass. Are the mineral extractors ready? Uh, yes, sir. All primed and in position. Induction channel? Induction tunnel 4 is free. Excellent. Then commence extraction. I want every mineral. Every last piece of metallic ore. Hollow it out. Yes, sir. Everywhere we go seems to involve mining of some kind. Exelon, Peladon, and that other place with the... Yes, uh, well, it can be a fascinating process. I'll take your word for it. I find it quite boring. <laughs> boring. Get it? As I was saying, oh. in this time period, they use machines which not only drill into the asteroid, but draw out all the minerals in a stream of molten debris, which... Sounds like they've started work. Yes. Ah. What's the matter? I've just had a worrying thought. Go on. The molten debris is gathered in induction tunnels. Like the one we're standing in right now? Yes. 
At any moment, it's going to be full of superheated rocks traveling at a hundred miles an hour. This isn't another one of your jokes, is it? I only wish it were. Then let's not just stand here like a couple of lemons. Run! Oh, oh, which way? The sound is coming from ahead of us. Back the way we came. Come on! Oh. Preparing to fill induction tunnel. What's the matter? I fought with one of the inspection hatches. Sir, I think you should take a look at the monitor feed. Good grief! There are people in there! Shut down the extractors! Yes, sir. But if we close down mid-extraction, there's risk of a drill jack. Just do it, ghoul! What the hell do they think they're playing at? Hurry, Doctor, hurry! I'm going as fast as I can. But this hatch doesn't seem to want to open. Well, you'd better change its mind or we're going to find out what it's like to be inside a vacuum cleaner. No. Wait. Oh, they've stopped. Look, it doesn't seem very safe round here. Maybe it would be a good idea if we just assumed this wasn't a Time Lord mission and left. You mean discretion should be the better part of valour? That's exactly what I mean, Doctor. Well, mind you, we still have to get through this... Would oh. one of you mind telling me who you are and what you're doing here? Two intruders, Governor. In one of the induction channels. What do you mean? Intruders? Don't know, sir. All Operator Relax said was that they weren't members of the colony. Uh, we can't have people arriving here without proper authorization. Head down to the mine working. I want those two illicit individuals brought to me for questioning. Yes, sir. <clears throat> now, Tribune. Where were we before we were so rudely interrupted? I was trying to explain, Governor, that the status quo is no longer an option. Hygieia must be granted independence. Ridiculous. Earth would never stand for it. But, and the workers I represent won't stand for less. They've damn near worked their fingers to the bone, and now at last it's a viable world. Self-sufficient for their energy, for food, for everything we need to survive. Yes, yes, yes. The workers are getting angry. And if we aren't given independence soon... You'll have a revolution on your hands. Foyle? Are you daring to threaten me? Look, I don't want violence any more than you do. But the only way to prevent it is for Earth to grant us independence. And what you want and what is possible are two very different things. But why doesn't Earth want to grant this place... Uh, Hygieia, did you say? Yes, Hygieia. Why doesn't Earth want to grant you independence? You don't know. Of course Sarah doesn't know. We've only just arrived. Yeah, so you said. And I still don't believe you. Why would we lie about that? I don't know. You could have been sent to sabotage the mining machines to stop us being self-sufficient. I've never heard anything so ridiculous in my life. Look, would somebody mind answering my question? Why doesn't Earth want to give you independence? Because, Sarah, in this time period, the Earth is vastly overpopulated. A world of grey cities of concrete and steel. It's exhausted its own mineral and chemical resources, and so it's dependent on colonies such as this for survival. To establish manned colonies in the asteroid belt took an enormous investment of resources. For years, we've relied upon Earth for all its food, its water, for the very air we breathe. So it's only fair that investment should be repaid. I'm not talking about cutting them off. We could continue to trade with them on our own terms as an independent nation-state. On our own terms? We, you owe them everything. Earth built this colony. No, Governor. We built it. The workers. We're the ones who sweated and suffered to make this rock habitable. We don't owe Earth a thing. 
But if it was so awful, why did anyone want to come here in the first place? Work is hard to come by back on Earth. So a few came just to earn a living, but not enough. So about 40 years ago, Earth made Hygieia a penal colony. With the prisoners doing the jobs that nobody else wanted? Pretty much. The idea was they could commute their sentences with hard labour by working in the asteroid mines. And then they could go home? In theory. In practice, there was no future for most of them back on Earth, so they decided to stay. I mean, after all, they'd already put so much work into the place, they mostly thought it was worth making a go of it. I see. Like the convicts sent to Australia, Botany Bay and all that. Yes, Sarah. It's strange how history often repeats itself. And those early colonists had children. A second generation of people like me, who have grown up here and think of Aegea as home. So it's no longer a penal colony? No. There hasn't been anyone sent here for over 20 years now. The old prison's almost empty. Almost? You mean it's still in use? Well, most of it's just used as storage space. This is a growing world. We need all the room we can get. Yes, but surely you're going to run out of space eventually. And that's why we need to keep on mining other asteroids, so we can expand. Why are so reluctant to send those resources to Earth? It's a matter of survival. It's a matter of survival. If we don't have independence, I can't be held responsible for their actions. But that is your responsibility. It's your job to make the workers toe the line. I'm afraid even if I wanted to, I don't think I could. Ha! I should expect nothing less from the descendants of common criminals. Yes, and I should have expected nothing less from a washed-up former prison governor who's only here lording it over the rest of us because Earth doesn't want him back. All right, if you're not saboteurs, why are you here? I'm afraid I'm as much in the dark as you are. You expect me to believe that? No, not particularly. But your superiors must have had a reason to send you here. Oh, undoubtedly, Sarah, but what? To interfere in events or to avert interference? Tell me, Mr. Relak, are you aware of anything untoward taking place? Apart from you two turning up? Yes. Anything inexplicable, anything alien. So that's why you're here. The BDO. I'm sorry, the what? A couple of investigators from Earth. I knew it. The governor must have tipped them off. My dear fellow, you've lost me. What's a BDO? Yes. How can we be here to see a BDO when we don't even know what a BDO is? Not interrupting, am I, Operator Relak? No, not at all, Security Officer Myrdor. I've come to collect your two unexpected visitors. Governor Rogan wishes to speak to them. Well, that is excellent news. Because we wish to speak to him, don't we, Sarah? Oh, yes. Always go to the top. All right. Follow me. Just one moment before we go. Mr. Relak? Yes? Back there, in the tunnels. Unless I'm very much mistaken, we would have been killed if not for your timely intervention. Uh, I suppose so, yes. Why? I just wanted to thank you. That's all. Don't mention it. Give the governor my regards. This elevator will take us up to level one, a short walk from the governor's residence. Well, that's good. Give us a chance to see the sights, won't it? Sarah? Sarah. Sarah. Hmm? Yes? What? Is this something the matter? No, it's just... I thought I heard someone whispering. Oh, nothing. Must be my mind playing tricks. I see. Yes, it's been a tiring day. You probably just need some rest. Or a nice strong cup of coffee. All right, level one. Going up. 
Jane Smith. What is it, mistress? The new arrival, Mullins. That last ship was months ago. Which makes her presence all the more intriguing. There is one obvious explanation for your presence here, Doctor. There is. You're from one of the anti-colonial groups on Earth. Sent here to stir things up. Oh, we just can't win here, can we? That, sir, is absolute nonsense. If your subjects intend to rise up against you, I'm sure they won't need any encouragement from me. Then what were you doing with Operator Relic? I'm reliably informed he's one of their ringleaders. He also reported our arrival, Governor. Why would he have done that if we were conspiring against you? Uh, I suppose you may have a point. How very kind of you to say so. Then how do you account for your presence here? Well, the fact is, uh, well, I'm not altogether sure... Doctor, I advise you to start becoming a little more corporate. But I do believe that perhaps it may have something to do with a... What was that word again, Sarah? A bedio. Yes, whatever one of those is. <laughs> it's not a word. It's an acronym. Big finish for the love of stories.